Ladies and gentlemen, The Dana Buckler Show is made possible by all of our amazing Patreon supporters. We have a lot of big things planned in the immediate future, and this is possible because of the support this show receives. So what do you get when you become a supporter? Early access to episodes, past episodes that are no longer available on the main podcast feed, and a number of exclusive episodes. Sign up today by going to patreon.com slash howisthismovie. There is a link in this episode's show notes. Once again, we want to say thank you to all of our supporters. You are amazing. Now on with the show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana. And I'm Kristen. And we are incredibly pleased to welcome Devin Sawa to the show. Devin, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Very good. Thanks Excellent for, to hear. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. So no problem. We do have a lot we want to talk about, a lot to cover. Uh, but I think we want to start with The Fanatic. It's a movie okay. that we saw in theater. We did a review of it. Uh, we loved it. And we'd okay. love to know right off the bat, you know, how did you get involved with the project? You know, it was uh, – I had worked with John Travolta on a, another film uh, a while ago, four or five years ago, uh, uh, called Life on the Line with him and Sharon Stone and, and uh, Kate Bosworth. And uh, we hit it off really well on that film, and we always wanted to do something together. But he called me randomly and said he had this script, and it was being directed by Fred Durst, and it was a little bit wild and crazy and uh, not something that he was, uh, you know, used to doing, or he did, you know, it was a little out there for him. Um, and he, he wanted to know if I'd be interested in doing it with him. Fred wasn't on board right away. Fred was, was kind of iffy with, with the casting of me, so I had to really fight for the part. But that's kind of how, how it went down. I, I went down to a, a studio here in, in Hollywood, and I basically laid the whole script down on tape and uh, sent it to Fred. Um, like every one of the scenes that I was in, in the original script, I, I put it down on tape and, and said, here it is. This is what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, Travolta pushed a little and, and uh, my agents and managers pushed a little and, and that was it. The rest is uh, history. So when you laid it all down, were you, because your character in that movie, The Fanatic, yeah. you feel for him and then yeah. you start to really dislike the guy and then you feel for yeah. him and it's like, man, I can't believe he's going through. Did you go through that wave of emotion in, in those videos you sent? Yeah, I, I wanted, I, I felt, I, I kind of identified with this character. Um, well, I, I didn't identify. I just know this character. I know actors in this business that are, that are this guy. They, they are genuinely good people. They just have a, a large chip on their shoulder and they're, they're because of, because of the business. I mean, that's, that's basically what Hunter Dunbar is. He's, he's, he's just got all this stuff going on in his life and that's why he doesn't have time for moose um and that's what i kind of when i would lay those tape down for fred um that's what i wanted to show is that he's a, he's genuinely a good guy he's just got some stuff that he's dealing with you know what i mean some of the emotions that we saw you go through in that film were kind of unlike anything we've seen you do before i mean i when we saw the movie in the theater together i remember sort of just leaning in telling Kristen like this is the range of just the anger that you see in your character. I mean, yeah. what, what was that like just to try to invoke that? I, you know, I went to I went to like the the Sean Penns and the Alec Baldwin's of the world. You know, you know they there's all these videos of them, you know, attacking paparazzi with you know umbrellas or whatever it is. Whatever it is, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but but what gets them there? I mean, what, what's the breaking point? And that's what I tried to find with Hunter Dunbar. Um, what was the breaking point? And, and yeah, the the emotions. 
it was very easy to stay in it because uh, John John stayed as the character throughout the whole film. Like whenever he came to set, he was Moose, and he you know he, he wanted to be the guy the whole time he was there. So it was really easy to to kind of stay Hunter Dunbar as well and do those emotions. But we just played, man. It was just it was just a it was just a it was a great time of of just being these guys. I mean, and John Travolta does such a great job of yeah. creating that character of somebody that mm-hmm. you fear and love at the same time. I mean, if someone like that came running up to me on the street or, you know, came running up to anybody, they they would feel that sense of just uncomfortableness. Yeah. Anybody, anybody, any type of person. But then you have somebody that's that much of a fanatic coming up yeah. to you, no matter who you are, that's got to feel yeah. very uncomfortable. And then on yeah. top of everything that your character went through in the film, I think it's really cool that the way that that breaking point, you really see it kind of happen yeah. for your character. Yeah. Now, did Fred, yeah, he, with his directing, I mean, he, he I think he did an excellent job with directing. What mm-hmm. was it like working with him? He's got that energy. He's got that Limp biscuit energy mm-hmm. on set. Uh, he's got that that big, he, that big, uh, that big energy, that big rock star energy um, on set, which which is great. Um, he also knows what he wants. He got to set. He was very well prepared. I mean, what you see is is primarily what he what he was looking for, and that's the film that he wanted to uh, to show us. Um, it, he's he's great. I, I mean, we're talking about working together in the future one day. I I really like the guy. I think he's very talented and and uh, he's an artist, um, and he comes from the same sort of world that I do from back in you know back in the day. And we've kind of had this crazy journey. You know, him as his, him in the the rock star world, and me you know growing up in in young Hollywood and whatnot. So you know, we we, we hit it off really well, and he's a great guy. He's He's a good director. Did you ever have any fanatic moments? Do you ever have anybody come up and I mean, do you ever have obsessed fans ever come out, come talk to you or does not leave you alone? You know, I, I haven't had anything like John. I keep very, I keep really to myself and very private and try not to, to, uh, I, I don't know. I have not, I have not, I have not, I have not, maybe back in my team beat days, back in the, um, you know, the tiger beat and all that stuff. I had some, but those were just young girls that were very innocent and, and, you know, I, so I've been fortunate enough not to have any uh, mooses in my life. Moose. I, I don't know if it's moose in my life. Fair enough. Or mooses. Mooses because it's a person. It's I, a I don't know. Is it mooses or meese? No. <laughs> Mo- well, I don't know. It's, it's, if it's, anyways, but I have, I have not had any crazy, any crazy, uh, crazy dudes or, or anybody crazy fanatics in my life. I, I've heard some, uh, John has some stories and he's had some stories that he, that he won't even tell the press, but you know, he, coming from Greece and, 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 uh, 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 and all those films that he did, he's got some doozies. Absolutely. And I, I imagine you, you 100% work with John again, if the opportunity presented itself. Oh yeah. We've already, we've already spoke about, you know, we may give it another, you know, four or five years, but we, we, I asked him, I said, I would be honored if you played my father in, in, in some sort of drama or something yeah. like that, something, some meaty thing, but, uh, We'll see. Yeah, okay. I would love to work with him again. Last night, we watched the episode of Hawaii Five-0 that you were in. Oh, yeah. And, that's, yeah. And, and I'm telling sure. you, once again, here we are. I mean, I mean I'm just getting a little bit chills just thinking about it. Like, that was a performance. That was, so I have multiple questions. I'm going to fire at you real yeah. quick here. So first of all, okay. what attracted you to doing an episode of Hawaii Five-0? You know, I mean, the subject matter of that particular episode is super heavy. You know, what was that experience like? So I, I wasn't doing a lot of TV. I did this show called Nikita for a few years and, and that was kind of put that to rest and, and another ABC thing. So I wasn't doing a lot of TV and my agents called me up and they're like, we got this episode of Hawaii Five O, and I'm like, an episode of Hawaii Five O? that's random. And they're like, yeah, but you should give it a read because it's a, it's a standalone and it's about suicide prevention and it's, you know, 
it's, it is what it is. And so I read it and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I got to do this. It's just a powerful episode with, with two guys in a car going through some, some, some stuff. And, uh, yeah, I had to, it was a, it was a given. So I went over there. I, I did it for, you know, couple of weeks and and we sat in that car in Hawaii and it was hot and it was uncomfortable and we were in tears and yeah it was it was an emotional ride it was like I was really excited to be oh my god I'm going to Hawaii to shoot something this is I've never done that before but you get there and you realize okay I'm doing a, 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 a an episode about killing myself yeah. I'm in the car I'm crying uh, Hawaii is the furthest thing from my mind right now but I was very fortunate that they, th- that they thought of me for that role and that i that i did it and and uh it's it's you know i mean it's random it's why five oh uh it's a great show there's a great crew and everything but but you know it is what it is and, and it was it was it was uh a lot of fun yeah no i mean you and you were I, again i'll just say incredible in that episode like it was thank you it was unbelievable like it was emotional and it was raw and it was it was i think we it, we even had to take a break like halfway through like let's just pause this for a second because it was it was so good thank you you know, and it was it was a, a very emotional performance and very serious. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious, you know, I mean, as far as comedies go, uh, of mm-hmm. course, there's a few that you were in that are guests. I mean, you had a comedic role in, but you've, yeah. you've really kind of had a lot. I mean, lately, everything's pretty serious. You've got a lot of really yeah. dark, I mean, deep, dark, emotional roles. And I'm curious, you know, like the movie Idle Hands, I, I think that that's like a dark comedy. But yep. It, pl- it plays sure. more of a comedic role. Is some, is mm-hmm. comedy, is a co- comedic role something that you're wanting to explore more in the future? No. So I did this movie called Slackers. I gave, I put, I, I hung it up with comedy. I retired the, I did this movie called Slackers. I worked with this guy named Jason Schwartzman on Slackers. And I realized that and maybe I, maybe I was just young and, and silly, but I, I realized that I was out of my league. I just wasn't digging comedy anymore. I got with these, J- Jason uh, Schwartzman's a heavyweight. Jason Siegel was on that movie. He's a heavyweight. These are like, these are guys that they, they were doing the comedy, you know, the super bad and the, the, all those shows. And, and I was just like, I don't know if this is for me. And I never went back after that movie. We just got on set and we were improving and there was, it was, I just didn't feel comfortable. And then I just started doing, you know, the more serious stuff after that. I haven't really gone back to the comedy since. I, I don't know why. It's just, I feel like I, I fit more in the dramatic, darker roles. And that, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about TV, doing yep. TV versus film. I mean, you did the episode of Hawaii 5 Nikita. You know, what's the experience like working on, you know, episodic television versus feature films? Yeah, it's so I I took a break in my mid twenties for five or six years out of the business, and up until that point, up until I had taken the break, I had done nothing but movies. And when I came back, I jumped on. Uh, I did a, it. The, the landscape had changed. It was changing before I had left, but it really changed when I got back. Think, things like The Sopranos and, and Sex in the City, and then all of a sudden Grey's Anatomy, and all these shows started changing the landscape. And then I went away, and I came back, and TV was the thing now. So. The new uh, management company I got with wanted me to do uh, an episode of NCIS LA, and I did that episode. And I'd never done TV before, and I got on that episode, and I I was out of I, I was out of my element. There was things were moving before we would do two takes, and things were moving. We you know it was just so quick and different, and not the same as movies. And uh, I wasn't ready, and that episode was a horrible episode. I gave it another shot on Nikita. I worked with a couple of directors on that show who kind of explained how things were different 
in in TV world than they were with features and how much more prepared you have to be and how much you, you know you you got you got one you got two takes and, and you're moving on no matter what so you, it's got to be you don't have time to, to talk about how to make it better it's got to be good the first couple of takes and and so by the you know by my second or third episode on Nikita I was like okay I got this I got what this TV thing's about I prefer movies I'm not gonna lie I, I love the the I love knowing where where it ends when I when I start um, I I love to build the the kind of the journey you know get that on tv you kind of like every week you get on on thursday night you get a new script and you go oh my character is doing this now right i don't dig that but it's something that i that i've gotten used to because really tv is where it's at now it's all the, it's all the best stuff but well yeah, not only I mean, just tv but but what about i mean the the way that netflix and hulu and amazon yeah. prime i mean these 10 five years ago that wasn't yeah. something that you would think would be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go watch Mindhunter right now on Netflix because it's amazing. Yeah. And now that's- well, when, I, when I came back, it was like 2009, 2010 is when I came back and uh, my agents were like, oh, we got this. There's a, you know, Netflix and Netflix was all movies at that time. And they were like, oh, they're going to make this TV show for Netflix. I'm like, a TV show for Netflix? That'll never work. Are you kidding me? They're not going to do TV on Netflix. Who's going to watch that? Yeah. And here we are today where like, I want a Netflix TV show. I mean, that's where you want to be. You know, HBO, Netflix, all these. Well, I'm, adapting. I'm adapting. I was the person that said, like, who's not going to want to go to Blockbuster Video and walk through the aisles to pick out the right. movie? Like, took oops, me you a know. Long, <laughs> took me, it took me a long time to say, you know what? Blockbuster was, was great and it's nostalgic. But, like, you would go there on a Friday night to get Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park was gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't we don't deal with that anymore. We 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 watch whatever we want to watch whenever we want to watch. That's such um, an interesting point though that you bring that up and it makes me think about all the movies that I went to to Blockbuster Video. I could walk to the nearest Blockbuster. I grew up in Chicago. I could walk to Blockbuster and if the movie I wanted wasn't there, I was going to rent something. So I'd walk yeah. the aisles and all the random movies that I've seen over my lifetime if I had never, you know, I wonder if kids these days are just going to miss out on a bunch of really weird films. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're probably well. They get them all on Netflix now. That's now you, true. You're now, right. you, now you sit there and you surf through Netflix for an hour before you find some random film. I, I miss. I look. I'm. I'm. I, I'm. I'm saddened that that they're not playing The Irishman. You know, wide. I had to like fight to get uh, you know seats at the at the one showing they had on Friday night. It's just. It's changing. I don't know. It's just. It's a weird world now. But I mean. Or, but do you remember, because you and I are the same age, yeah. do you remember when you would go to Blockbuster, mm -hmm. You, when you rented a movie, you committed to it, you watched the yeah. whole thing, whereas now, yeah. you, we're 10, 15 minutes into something on Netflix or Hulu or anything, if we're not into it, we just stop and move on to the next thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a crazy world we live in, and we don't even know where the bottom is going to you know, fall out on this. Like, no. What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, is this going to like subside into a new normal five years down the road, 10 years down the road? Or where, where are we going with this? Because this is the new, I mean, it's hard to even fathom where we're going to be going. I, I hope we're not going to a world where we're not going to go to the cinema anymore to see, because it's such an experience. It's you, you get in your car, you drive, you find parking, you get the popcorn, you sit down, the, the previews start. I hope we don't lose that. I mean, it's, it's such a romantic uh a thing that we did and and it would be sad if we lost all that i mean i at the same time we we get such great content 
you know, delivered to us right, you know, at the snap of our fingers. Uh, you know, it's, we're just going to have to adapt with the youngins. Gosh, we sound like a bunch of old people. I know, we? that's great. <laughs> uh, yes. Did you, you, you mentioned you, you, did you see the Irishman? Were you able to secure tickets to Oh, it? yeah, absolutely. Is the, is, the, yeah. is the hype real? Yeah, it's great. I read the book last year and I loved the book. And, and the, I mean, they leave a couple of things out uh, in the movie, but it's just, it's Pesci and Pacino and De Niro just putting on an acting show. It's great. One of the things we want to talk to you about is, you know, keeping up with your Instagram here a little bit. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about the traveling you like to get into? Because it, it just looks like you're, you're going to a bunch of different spots. Yeah, I'm good. We're, we're, we're gearing up. We're just finally getting excited because it's hard in this business to get excited for, for these trips because you get another project, you got to cancel it. But it's been several times where we've canceled these trips. Um, but we're about to go to the Philippines, which we've never been to for a month. My five-year-old, my three-year-old, my wife, we did uh, Vietnam and Thailand last year. We're just trying to take these kids, you know, everywhere in the world and, and show them different people and different cultures and, you know, just show them the world. I mean, that's, that's, I want to do that instead of buying flashy things or having, you know, these crazy cars or whatever, I would rather make take life my kids. experience. Life experiences yeah. is what yeah. it's all about. We went to Greece over the summer and, and, um, yeah, we're just trying to take them places, show them the world. What spot in the world has stood out to you the most? Like, is there a, is there a particular area in the in the world that you're like, okay, I've been there once, I have to go back, that type of thing? Greece is amazing. Greece is is we loved Greece. I loved. I, I went to Tel Aviv on my own, and I think Tel Aviv is is a spectacular place in the world. We love right now with the kids. We love Southeast Asia. I mean, the people there in all those countries are just genuinely great people and and great to be around and have have the food is amazing and, and they're they're nice and they're warm and they're inviting and we just love it there so that's what we're that's what we're doing right now we're just trying to conquer that that side of the world right now wow so i have a question for you so you've with these dramatic roles and you kind of yeah. want to stick with the drama is there anything mm -hmm. maybe in the future for you as far as writing your own uh screenplay yeah, yeah i've i've, I've I've been writing. I've been reading a lot. Um, I was writing a while, and then, uh, for a while, and then I just started reading more, just to, to you know, I'd never re read Stephen King before, and I just went through like twelve of his books back to back. And there's a lot of stuff. I, I'm writing a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get a lot of stuff produced. I'm just trying to. I'm just a student in the game right now with that whole thing. We just did so, an episode on Pet Cemetery, and so, it was really yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever listen, but it's good. Well, good coinciden stuff. coincidentally, that's how I got into Stephen King. I was I was in um, Bulgaria, and I was gonna ha I was gonna uh, hike the Vitishaw Mountains, and um, I wondered. I was by myself, so I, I I thought I'd get an audio book, and I ended up getting that Stephen King audio book with uh, the guy from Dexter uh, does the reads it. And I got that, and I, I and I listened to it, and I was like, oh my god! And then I just read all the, you know, after that, I bought a bunch of his books and just started reading. But that's how I got into the, the Stephen King thing was because of Pet Cemetery. I'm so excited for Doctor Sleep. Yeah. I'm so excited. yeah, me too, me too. And I that, I had the fortune of, of of reading those back to back, The Shining and Doctor Sleep. And and I mean, I The Shining is a great movie, but a better book. Yeah. Yep. And you know, and and then Doctor Sleep, I, you know, when I saw the preview and he was in that attic. I was like, oh my God, they nailed it. That's like, that's like almost straight out of my head. It's perfect. The chalkboard and it looks great. 
and you see the you see just a glimpse in the trailer of the steam of the you know what the uh, how how they sort of suck the soul out. Yes. Like, I was just yes. like I was just like she hasn't read the book yet. I was like no 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 that's that's the steam. I'm telling you, you're gonna love that. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I got I got goosebumps when you said that. So I mean yeah they it's nailed great. it. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, is yeah. there just I mean just going off the off the little bit for Stephen King here uh, of, of all those books I mean you, which one stands out the most to you The Shining I mean The Stand Did, which which ones really stood out I was trying to save The Stand for last like I was I, I didn't I knew I, I, everybody says it's the best book I'm like you know what I'm gonna save it for last because I don't want to read it and then be like ah oh, nothing beats The Stand but it, it really is his best book by a landslide and then I, I would have to give Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three I put yeah. that up there. Um, I'm reading, uh, I'm reading regulators right now. I didn't like it as much as desperation. It's, it's, it's so interesting to see, to read like misery and see how, how much they tone down the movie compared to how like graphic the, the novel is. I just, I just think it's, he's, he's great. I never thought that I would like Stephen King. I was like, Stephen King, who likes that guy? Um, and sure enough, he's, he's pretty damn brilliant. He really is. I I remember reading Dolores Claiborne when I was, Real, I mean, I was young when I read that book, and the movie doesn't even begin to do that book justice. The book is very yeah. good. Movie. Yeah. So one, yeah. Of the, one of the things we like to do when, when we're talking to our guests here is it's kind of a, a, like a bit of a rapid fire round. What, what we're sure. going to do is we, we just want to name you know, one of the movies you've been in and sort okay. of just give us a, a, a fun memory you have about that particular film. And these, this is going to be in no particular order. So just going to go ahead and start with it. And the first one I'm okay. going to ask you about is, uh, is Now and Then. Okay. Fun memories. It was like summer camp. It was, it was, uh, the cast was, it was, it was just like summer camp. I, there's no other way to explain it. Um, first of all, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know how revolutionary it was because it was an all female crew, all female producers, female director. Um, to me, it was just, it didn't, I was, you know, 14 and, and it was just a bunch of talented people. But now that I look back at it, it was, it was well ahead of its time for doing something that was, needed to be done but uh if that movie just I, I i just remember we were all staying in you know this little hotel and it, it was just felt like summer camp you know we'd work and we'd hang out and we'd get into trouble and we'd you know and you were all right about the same age too right i yeah. mean all the kids yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah i think i was i was the oldest and i was like 14 and and christina was 12 or 13 and we, we were all pretty much the same age and That's i remember pulp fix pulp fiction had come out that summer and we had all seen it like four or five times in the theaters and and it was the greatest thing ever and yeah it was cool it was great it was great and then here you are working with john travolta how about yeah. that yeah yeah there you go it, when john we had when we had john on the show uh, about a month ago he went into quite a bit about that whole production of pulp fiction it was just incredible to hear him talk about some of those stories yeah the great thing about john is he loves to talk about like i I would get he, I would sit there and listen to him for hours talk about Marlon Brando or Muhammad Ali or you name it he he I was he 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 would like to talk about it and I would love to listen so I would just sit there and just listen to him talk about these these amazing stories like you know he hung out with Marlon Brando and and Sean Penn one time and like it's just he's got stories for days that he thinks are just stories but really they're just they're they're mind blowing. Um, Trust so. me, like when we were, we were talking to him, we we were just kind of like looking at each other, like this is incredible. Like we just asked yeah. one question and it went into this long, like beautiful story. Like it was incredible. It was it, it yeah. was just incredible. The next one on the list is SLC Punk. Quick, 
quick. It was quick. It was. I was there for two days. My part took. I was in and out, man. Th- those. I, I feel a little robbed on that one because they all got. They they all rented a house, uh, in Salt Lake City. It was like a you know a big big giant house, and they put all the crew and the cast, and they all stayed in this house. And I was coming off of. I don't know, uh, like Wild America going on to Idle Hands or something like that. And, and so I, they flew me in, put me up at a hotel and flew me out the next night. And I just shot all my stuff. And, I, and it, was all by my, it was all on my own, too. Like, I didn't have any scenes with anybody really that much. Um, so it, I felt a little raw because it was all on my own and I wasn't in the house. And I, they have all these great stories. And I was kind of just in and out. So. But you did, there was a follow-up to the film. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, it was a follow up. It was more for the new, new generation of punks and I, I wasn't in it very much, but I'm, I'm uh, James Marandino, the director and I are, are still very, very close friends. I tried to get the, the original director of Idle Hands fell out and I tried to get James on the project and then it didn't work out. And we, fortunately we got Rod, Rodman Flender after that, but, um, we've, we've stayed in touch over the years for many years and we're trying to do something together eventually okay awesome All right. so let's hear about idle hands what's your what's your thoughts on that one whenever i think of that film it reminds me of how fearless I, I was as a young actor i didn't care what anybody thought as far as my craft and what i was doing in front of the camera i just went for it with absolutely no fear it's kind of like you know you you look at a, a young sports player uh, what they're like in their 20s as opposed to what they're like in their 30s a guy like um, michael jordan might be more inclined to you know go for the basket and slam you know you know jump from the free throw line and slam whereas back when he reaches his 30s he's he's going to pass and he's going to take the safe you know what i mean and that's what idle I, whenever i think of idle hands I, I think man the addition for that i went in in front of the heads of the studio for sony tristar columbia all in suits and whatever and i threw myself over a table and i crashed into a wall and i slapped myself around with it the original script wasn't so much wasn't so handsy and they rewrote it because i i was just a huge evil dead 2 fan and i i just did all this bruce campbell shit and they were like oh my god this hand stuff is hysterical let's make it more handsy and i just whenever i think of that movie i just think of how how fearless i was and you know i love that you bring up Evil Dead 2 with that movie because that yeah. is something I'm a huge Evil Dead 2 fan. I, Bruce Campbell, I love. But the yeah. part in the beginning of Idle Hands when you're like looking at your own hand, it so embodies the Evil Dead 2. It's perfect. Yeah. And it's Yeah, the the dishes scene where Bruce Campbell's smashing the dishes. Yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to shoot that in Idle Hands and blatantly just like that's Bruce Campbell. This is where I got it. I love that guy. This is this is an homage to 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 my younger years and watching, you know, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness and you know, but we didn't didn't they didn't weren't feeling it. And just they think if feeling. Jurassic Park had been in stock, maybe we wouldn't have watched those movies, right? There there you go. There you go. <laughs> Was that one of the more physically demanding roles that you did in Idle Hands because it just we were we were just commenting on like the, the, the physicality of, of the performance you had to put in to, to that film. Yeah. Yeah. They, the producers demanded, I, you know, being, I was 18 when I did it and being 18, uh, they demanded that I get massages all the time because of, you know, throwing myself downstairs and over couches and over balconies and all this stuff. And they made me get massages because, you know, it was, it was just so, it was very demanding. So when I'm, when I'm 60 or 70 years old and I start having these weird aches and pains and can't figure out where from, it's probably from that film. Sure. Fair That'd enough. be a great name for a massage parlor, actually. Idle Hands. There you go. Love it. There you go. Uh, we want to talk a little bit, uh, we'll go to TV for a moment with Nikita. You mentioned it earlier. So some memories from that one, the type of preparation you had to do 
for that role? So when I quit the business for a while, and I really didn't think I was going back to, I got into mixed martial arts. I got into, when I first went to Thailand, I had been boxing for a while and I went to Thailand and I started doing Muay Thai. And so I came back and I was just into mixed martial arts as a hobby. And that's when Nikita came along. And that's what drew me to the project was the fact that it was this, they, 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 they pitched the character as the, uh, he's kind of like Jason Bourne, um, very physical, very, you know, mixed martial artsy. And that's what kind of brought me to that, that project. And then the, the people don't realize that even for the CW, we had some phenomenal Emmy award winning directors on that project because of McGee. We had some of the writers have gone off to do spectacular things. I mean, we got the showrunner of, of 12 Monkeys uh, now. We, uh, the 911 people are, are some of the Nikita writers. I mean, we have uh, the, the, all those people involved in that project were pretty awesome. Let's talk about Final Destination for a moment. Some memories from that one. And when you were making that film, did you did you ever envision or did you foresee that that would become this big franchise? No, I didn't. I knew it was, I knew it was special when I was shooting it. I knew we we didn't there was a lot of practical effects on that film believe it or not it was one of the last films that i had done where they were trying to use as many practical f- effects they, they there was of course there was cgi but um i mean the train sequence was done with a big mirror the the uh the bus stuff was done with two plate shot it was they, they tried to use as many practical effects and so you knew it was special the, the directors were also like once i once the plane goes down they started skewing walls like you can't really tell but the rooms, the walls are all kind of, you know, pushed inwards and everything's skewed. And they really had a vision. So, you knew it was kind of special. You didn't, I didn't know it would, it would, you know, spawn five sequels or whatever it is, but it was, a, it was a tough shoot. It was a really tough shoot. And I was in a, 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 you know, full disclosure, I was at a time in my life that I was, you know, I was 21 or 20 and, and it was, I was, it was more important what parties I was going to and, you know, where I was hanging out and the Playboy Mansion and this and that. And so, you know, I wasn't as focused as I should have been on that film. But, uh, you know, it was it was a tough shoot. It was a tough shoot. Was there ever any discussion? I mean, I know, spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't seen the movie, nobody yeah. really, nobody really makes it at the end. But was there ever any discussion or thought of, of, of revisiting that character? Was there ever any of that dialogue ever opened up bringing you back? I know the last film sort of brings back, brings it all for full circle, but I'm just curious if, if you were ever approached or, or what. Yeah, they, they approached my agents, uh, at, at some point and the, they, there was a big meeting between my agents and, and, uh, the studio and it just wasn't, it didn't go forward. I, and that's when I had kind of quit the business after that. This was after SLS or after, uh, so we shot Slackers, um, and I did another movie in Germany, and uh, that was kind of that was coming to an end of, of you know I'd, I'd started working at the age of eight, and it was now you know I was now twenty three or twenty four, and it was it was coming to an end for a while, and I was burnt out. When you made the decision to, as you say, quit the business, in yeah. your mind, was that a permanent decision? Were you th- saying I'm never going to come back to this? And and then you know what what was your plan? You, you, you're done in the business. What are you going to do next? Like what was your right. thought process? So I I went back to Canada and Vancouver and I got in, uh, did, started doing a little bit of real estate. I didn't I really didn't I was kind of just going day by day. I, I really didn't know my wife and I who I had met. We went away to Southeast Asia. Just her and I and just kind of traveled the world. We I didn't really have a plan. And then I came back and I bought an old heritage building and an apartment building and I started fixing it up. I was doing that whole thing. 
the apartment building was a miserable experience for me. I, I, I was, you know, I got, a, I got a little over my head on that one. I was trying to do as much as the, um, uh, uh, as much of the contracting as I could, and I had no experience at all. So I was learning on the go, you know, learning to deal with tradesmen, learning. Uh, and I got a random script snail mail. I'd been out of the business about five years by now. And I got a random sna- uh, script snail mail for uh, Max Payne with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And with a cover sheet that said, please put yourself on tape. So it was from an agent who obviously didn't get the memo that I wasn't doing this anymore. And I said, what the hell? And so I went down to a studio and put myself on tape. Within three days, I was on a plane going down to read for Max Payne. And then I had a manager and all of a sudden I was back in the business. But after a little while, I realized that, that I missed it. And, and now, now I was back in the business and I was going to do what I wanted to do. And that's kind of how, how I got back into it. And that's, that's the path you've been on ever since you're doing what you want to do, right? Yeah, pretty much, you know, most, mostly, mostly. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you already answered my question about during that five-year hiatus, if you missed the business, but you realized you missed it. I I didn't realize how much I missed it until I actually came back. And I think Nikita was really when I started realizing, yeah, man, I missed this thing. You know, um, I, I did that one episode of NCIS LA and I was like, Ooh, this is, a lot different. I don't know if I can hack this anymore. And, and, but I, I kept going with it. And so, and then, and then it wasn't until I got, I mean, the, the, the first John Travolta movie, you know, working with, uh, Sharon Stone, like I did this I did one day with Sharon Stone that made me like so happy that I got back into the business. I just felt so creatively satisfied at the end of this day. She came to work and she, she played my like cracked out mother and she stayed in it the whole day. And we just, it was just like a, a jam session where we just all day long did this, you know, stuff. And I just realized, oh my God, this is, this is why I do this, you know, for, for stuff like this. A film that we were going to probably not bring up, but we will, I guess maybe we yeah, will yeah. for like your thoughts on, um, is Casper. Right. You were in that movie for <laughs> yeah a minute, a minute and a half. I don't even think it was that long probably, yeah. but I mean, what were your experiences as far as working on that? And, I have a question about that movie after. Sure. Okay. So Casper is a is a weird one with me because um, they did they weren't they weren't planning to do that ending the way that it was, okay. and they 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 did and they did a nationwide search for the part of Casper, and somehow I feel very forward. I feel very lucky. This this one really feels like more luck than anything because I feel like my video VHS cassette tape with you know my edition tape was on the right desk at the right time. I was from Canada, so I was pale. I had blonde hair. I, you know, I, I fit the, and it just it just worked out. But there had already been a kid that had that was he had been working on it for three months. He was the voice, and it was very Hollywoody. You know what I mean? Like we're, you know, telling this other kid, like, we know your Casper. We want to shoot an alternate ending, and we're going to bring in a new Casper. And that's kind of what happened. And and then it, I just ended up taking all the, you know, credit for it, and and. Uh, um, but you know, it launched my, it launched my career really. I mean, I, up until that point I was doing just nothing but Canadian stuff. And, and so I'm very fortunate it happened and, and I feel very lucky that I did. And so, so a really good friend of mine, I mean, growing up, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, not right. much, but growing up, you know, I've seen Casper as a kid and I grew up in Chicago where there's all these old houses, beautiful Victorian old houses. And one of my good friends back in Chicago, Brianne has asked me, that staircase that you come down, that giant, yeah. massive staircase, was that like a real house or was that all a set that was built? 
that was my first that's one that's a very very good question because it's it's actually one of my earliest memories of hollywood uh the 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 giantness of hollywood I, I don't know how to even explain it but like up until that point i was just doing canadian television canadian commercials whatnot and i get this random phone call my parents had gone to Hawaii on on a trip, and I get this random phone call that my tape had landed on Steven Spielberg's desk, and that they want to fly me down, and I got the part of Casper. So I had to like my parents called my grandmother, grandmother and I, this little Polish lady. We get on this plane, first class, by the way, and I remember her putting the the dinner rolls in her purse because she felt like they weren't going to feed us once we got to the hotel or something. We get off the plane, they pick us up in a limo, they drive us to Universal, and we walk on this gigantic sound stage and they had built a house in a, in a sound stage like this big giant house with a with a yard and and that and it was it, like we had never my grandmother and I had never seen anything like it it was just you know it was this house this big house with inside. a roller coaster inside a sound stage and we we walked through the sound stage and they were like oh yes this is the director and you know the directors you know we met Christina and everybody was on board we had to get our the final approval for from Steven who was sitting over there on the staircase <laughs> that staircase and so I walked over with my little grandmother and they're like this is uh this is uh Mr. Spielberg this is uh, Devin Devin Steven Spielberg and he's just sitting there with his little ball cap on my grandma could care less she's still into this gigantic house we're standing in inside a soundstage. And uh, yeah, that was my first intro to, to Hollywood. To Steven so, Spielberg on that staircase. Well, on that, he was sitting on that staircase. Thank you, Brianne, for thinking. <laughs> there cool. you go. That was great. I have to ask you about the music video, Stan. I mean, I just yeah. I would love to know how that came about. That came about and everybody and their mother suggested I do not do it. Okay. I, I have a friend who was friends with the casting director. Still to this day, I, I'm friends with him. But he called me up. He goes, you know, Eminem's doing this music video, and they want you. Dre's a big Final Destination fan, and they want you to play the Stan character. So I called my agents. My agents are Eminem. Come on, a white rapper. I don't know if this is. He's good, but I, you know, I don't. I, you know, no one's doing music videos. Music. That's crazy. And like, I had to really just kind of convince them that this was. This was a, a good move, and it was. It's still to to this day one of my favorite things that I've ever done. I I, I when somebody says, uh, "Oh, you're an actor. What have you done?" I, one of the first things I, I was in the stand video. I, I like that's how proud I I am still of that that music video. That so. music video for me, I remember it. It I w watched again last night. I've probably seen the music video. Let's be honest, a hundred times. I was a right. big MTV guy when it came out. But that yeah. represents sort of the last bastion of MTV and music videos being consumed on network television. And yeah. I'm just wondering what sort of the just the the immediate legacy was for that after the after you did the music video. I mean, the immediate legacy and what you think the long term legacy of that music video is because it represents so much. Just in the sense of like that was. I mean, shortly after that, MTV stopped playing music videos. I mean, it was one of the last great videos on that network. Yeah, it played it played three or four times an hour for, yeah. for all day long. It was it was it it changed my life. It 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 also it was it I went from it 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 brought me into a chaotic world in Hollywood as well. I mean, I all of a sudden that music video dropped. Uh, Final Destination had been out for like six or seven months, and my world just just blew up. So, but it's, it's, it's a, it was a revolutionary video. It Did was, you it was keep the hair dyed, bleached? No, definitely not. Do you, no. do you still, I mean, 
you, you don't share a lot of scenes with Eminem in the video. There's a scene where he's None. coming out of the well, concert. Not, yeah. yeah. But, but I, I couldn't even tell if that was just two shots that were, were mixed together there. But I mean, what? He showed up for the, the, the scene, the outdoor scene. That's, that's actually a crazy conversation. Like we, we only talked a couple of times because you're right. He wasn't in the music video very much. There was the, the autograph signing table and then that outdoor scene. But we were shooting that outdoor scene and it was like the end of summer 95 degrees at night or something it was crazy hot they were blowing snow uh, snow and he was so blown away by how i was acting so cold because he was about to go do eight miles like yo are you really cold i'm like no i'm this is you know i'm, I'm acting you know but your teeth are, are chattering i'm like yeah well i'm you know i'm trying to show you that i'm cold like it was, it was like one of the only conversations i had with him it was about that that you know the coldness of or acting cold or whatever but uh, yeah, he wasn't there very much. Dre directed it with a, a guy named Philip Atwell, which was a uh, which is uh, a crazy experience in in itself. But yeah, it was a good experience. There, uh, I see the meme going around every once in a while where you, you send a tweet to Eminem. Do you guys still communicate at all, or did you you know did I mean what you, no, no 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 okay no I mean I I know that my manager has spoken to his manager about the possibility of doing something next year which is the 20 I don't know if it's the 20th anniversary or the 20 25th anniversary I don't know who knows but the next year is the anniversary of the video so okay. there's been some there's been some subtle talk about gotcha. doing something gotcha you mentioned that that's one of the things you're most proud of what are, what are a couple other things that you're most proud of that you've done in your career uh, Idle Hands is definitely one that I'm most proud of. I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of stuff that I'm proud of. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my journey as a whole. There's some there's some things that I'd love to to erase off the record, but you know they're there and that that's what it is. But you know, I'm proud in in I'm proud of a lot of things. I read an interview not too long ago, and and I can't recall the year. This might not have been. It might have been a couple years ago now, but I read the interview recently that you and Macaulay Culkin had apparently somehow managed to never meet in real life until recently. And it had to do with some sort of a Twitter feud. I didn't, I, I mean, and I'm myself, I'm new to Twitter, so I'm not really too familiar, right. but what was that like? First of all, I mean, the fact that you never crossed paths, I guess is amazing, but I want to hear a little more about how that yeah. whole conversation went down. So I guess Macaulay Culkin was new to Twitter a few years ago as well. And he, the first thing he tweeted was, some, I can't even remember what it was, but it was something to do with me. Hmm. And, and I don't think he was expecting me to fire back. And then we just started this kind of playful feud over the years and it's still kind of ongoing, but I, you know, I did his podcast and it, we couldn't be more opposite people like he and I, but we're, we just get along so well. Um, it's been interesting. It's still, it's ongoing. It's who knows, like I can, you could think it's dead. And then in two months he'll be like, you know, he'll, I don't know what, you know, he'll pull something. He's but, very uh, creative mind. I like that. Yes. He is a good guy. You mentioned after the stand video came out that everything sort of was just changing at a frenetic yeah. pace for you. What type of offers were you getting? Like, I mean, were you just being bombarded on a daily basis from television, music videos, movies. I mean, what, what, what were the days like after shortly after the release of that video? Uh, I wasn't, it wasn't a lot of offers from, from the stand video the, the, my popularity went up because of it, because the young kids were watching it. Yeah. But I don't think the, I don't think the producers and the film people really realized there was also a lot of uh, confusion about who was playing Stan. I remember there was a, um, a famous, I don't know. It was not Michael. It might've been Michael Bay, but someone did an interview Someone connected to Eight Mile did an interview on a red carpet saying how great uh, Eminem was as Stan in the Stan video. Oh. And there was a little bit of confusion on, on who was actually 
you know, a lot of people thought that he had, he was, he played it, but I didn't, there wasn't a lot of blow. I think final destination was more of the, the blow up that, that, that I was getting from, for offers. But then I started getting a lot of offers for horror movies and not such great horror movies. They were, you know, people wanted to throw a lot of money at me to do these really bad horror films. And I did a couple. And that was another reason why I kind of didn't want to do the business anymore. All of a sudden you're doing, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of money to do really, really bad stuff. So do you have anything projects coming up that we can be looking forward to? Anything in the pipe? Uh, there's a Guy Pierce movie coming out in January uh, that I did. So when they they told me we have an offer for you for a movie with Guy Pierce, I didn't even have to read the script to know that I was going to do it because Guy Pierce, like Sharon Stone or like John Travolta, was someone that I wanted to work with creatively and just be a sponge on set with. I think Guy Pierce is uh, like kind of like Tom Hardy, where they're just they're so still and grounded and calm and and uh and still very very powerful um so that's coming out i haven't seen it yet so we'll see the stallone movie just came out that was uh one of the better experiences of my life the film is what it is but i did a big fight scene with uh stallone it it, it was the john wick fight team for three weeks and it was just crazy i mean stallone was throwing references from all the rocky films while we were fighting and it was just kind of like if you you'd have told 12 year old me that i'd been doing this one day uh i would never have believed it it was it was awesome and was that the first time you had worked with him like or had yeah. met him yeah i mean that must yeah, have been I, incredible it was incredible and i just recently went to meet with his company about other projects so hopefully that'll Hopefully we'll do something. I met on Rambo, the latest Rambo, but they, they ended up changing the character to something different that they wanted me for. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll work with him in the future again. He, he's a great guy. If I met Sylvester Stallone, the first thing that I think I would have to say is, I loved you in Death Race 2000. Really? <laughs> we don't have to put that in the show, but that would totally uh, be the first thing I would say. Copland was my favorite one of his. Oh, Copland, 100%. yes. 100%. Yes. Cop is very underrated. That's, Copland. I wonder what movie was out of stock in Blockbuster when we rented those sometimes. Because, well, yeah. Copland yeah. was underrated, but there's so many good ones like that. So I do have one question. So speaking of just these random films that we're kind of pulling out, do you have like a favorite genre of movies? I know that you said that you were offered a lot of roles in these maybe not so great horror pictures. Are you a huge horror movie fan? Obviously, <laughs> Evil Dead, but what's kind of your favorite? Yeah. Um, my, my, taste and people are always like what are your favorite movies and my taste you know my list might change like if you t- if you ask my list right now it might be different than my list in in four or five months as far as horror movie goes I, and and you know I, I liked um the the rob zombie stuff that that uh uh devil's rejects I, I absolutely loved. that was the last horror film i absolutely loved crawl was great yeah crawl was pretty amazing i, I i'm a i'm a big horror fan I, I see most of them when they come out. Yeah. Um, oh, what was that movie that just came out that I absolutely loved where they're all in the house running from, I can't remember. It just came out. It's re- phenomenal. Ready or not? Yes. Yes. We did. We did one? Yeah. That, we did a review on it about a month and a half ago. We love that movie. I, man, I love that film. That was just a good time. And I really didn't know a lot going in. I knew that it, I saw a little bit. Of it. I was like, ah, I want to see that. I don't want to see anything more about it. And I went in and saw it and I really had a good time with that. Yeah, that we, was did, a good one. we did. We did. We did too. We had a great time watching it, and we went in the same way. We didn't want to know too much about it. We just wanted to kind of go in with an open mind, and it was really yeah good. So, Devin, yeah. since since you and I are are the, I'm just gonna keep bringing up that we're exactly the same age by a couple months. There's a couple. Okay. There's a couple movies that were that were life changing for me growing up as a kid, and I yeah. want to know what your experience was like for these films. So, in, in chronological order, Back yeah. to the Future. Uh, grade. What was it? Grade four. 
something like yeah. that. Yeah, Back to the Future, genius film. It's a, it's like Back to the Future and Stand by Me and Goonies and and Gremlins and all these films are are their genius films. They're 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 story driven blockbuster popcorn love it's just they're just great films it's just great they don't make them like that anymore i always say that it's like they don't we don't have those those films anymore we, we just they don't make them so we go to you 1989's know? batman this is the tim burton one with michael keaton and jack nicholson because that was yeah. a huge one for me i was 11 when that movie came out yeah one of the first times i ever stood in a gigantic line for a film yeah. like a gigantic line yeah. for a film it was it was uh, that and ninja turtles were the two the two biggest lines and roger rabbit those that was another big big line okay so you're you're um, from canada i'm from canada 1989 no holds barred with Stallone? No, with Hulk Hogan. Remember the Hulk oh, Hogan? Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, no. No, no. Just set a check. We stood no. in line for that one. That was one that because uh, wrestling was really no. big where I was from in Halifax. It was really big. Yeah, no, I, I was into wrestling. I just, I wasn't buying it. No, all right. I wasn't, I think, I wasn't buying it. I think it. the excitement for the movie was better than the movie, if I remember correctly, when I saw yeah. it. So you mentioned Ninja Turtles. 1991, the turning point for me, my dad took me to see my first R-rated movie in August of 1991, and that was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Your thoughts? Yeah. You know... One of the first films my father took me to was was my birthday, uh, mid-80s. He took me and six of my friends to see Aliens, which is another James Cameron <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah. Um, and I think James – I don't know whether Terminator 2 would crack my top ten, but I think that James Cameron is a, is a genius. Aliens, True Lies, Terminator 2, he's just, he just knows how to, how to do it. You know, he, knows, he just knows how to do it. Terminator 2 was awesome. It was an awesome film. And then so, uh, the last one I wrote down was Pulp Fiction, which, which you already mentioned Pulp you Fiction. saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I, I was hoping you would say that because that during now and then we, we saw it four or five times. That was the, that was when I changed as a, an, as an artist I, up until that point, I was going to set. It was fun. I was having a great time. There was a lot of cool people. And then I saw Pulp Fiction and it, it might've been the age, you know, with the movie and the people I was working with and the fact that. You know, Bruce Willis was on the phone with Demi every day on you know, that whole, but it changed me. And I realized that this was more than, than what I had thought it was. It wasn't just a good time. It was, it was an art and, and there was a, there was a characters to play. And, and, and we, we were, we could be these over the top people and in, in these over the top situations. It, it kind of just, it was, and then I went back and I started rewatching things like scent of a woman or awakening or, or rain man or, you know, dogs, of the afternoon. And, and I started seeing them. In, in a different, you know, a different way, in a more artsy way, and and um, yeah, Pulp Fiction was was a big part of my my uh, my young actor world. Well, so. well, based on what you just said there, you just kind of a question popped up in my mind. Throughout your career, what what's been the most what's been the most challenging role that you took on? What was the one that you really had to sink yourself into the most? I think there, I did a TV show with Paula Patton called uh, Somewhere Between, where it was very challenging because of the subject matter and the amount of hours and there was no B story going on. So we were always, it was really, really, really a tough, tough shoot. Other than that, man, I, everything has been a lot of fun. I did a pilot once where I had to uh, do a rape scene and I, I wasn't into that. I, I, you know, sometimes you get these roles, you know, you're going to play bad guys and you're going to play, but there's, it's nice to play bad guys that have redeeming qualities. Like, you know, when you play a bad guy in a Stallone movie, like you're not redeeming qualities, but you know, when you play a fun bad guy, 
when you're playing like a child molester or rape rapist or you know racist cop there's you, you just don't go home feeling good at the end of the day you know and i didn't i remember it not feeling good at the end of the day after doing the scene where i had to you know rape her and i was just like this isn't i don't want to feel like this even though it's not me and it's a different character it's just not it's kind of it's just not a good feeling you know what i mean so those are challenging well, um, and I try to steer. I, I try to steer away from that. And and I, I you get those those additions every once in a while, or those or those offers, or whatever it is. Like, oh, the, you know, here's a here's a racist cop, and it's just not, you know, right. or whatever it is. So, so on the opposite spectrum, you know, what was the the most fun role that you remember doing? Uh, idle hands, because of you know, it was just a it was a great time, and and also you know. Seth Green and, and Eldon and Henson and and Vivica Fox and Je- it was just a, it was a great cast of I had a, I had fun on a lot of them I had fun on, on a lot of them The Little Giants was was a lot of fun uh, because it was basically four months with Al Bundy and Rick Moranis uh, and Ed O'Neill was at the height of his Al Bundy I mean this was Al Bundy like Al like Married with Children was the biggest thing when we did Little Giants and we all watch it and every day he would show up to work there here's Al Bundy it was it was and we were all in football pads and it was it was it was crazy it was great it was great that's awesome and Rick yeah. Moranis too I mean that was um that was after Honey I Shrunk the Kids was it yeah, yeah. yeah he was I believe that's when he started going he, he was a little bit more to himself during that film because he was going through some of the stuff with his wife right or had gone with it. So he was always a very sweet man. We, we saw Ed O'Neill a little bit more, believe it or not, than, than Rick Moranis. But, you know, he was, I think he was dealing with some stuff yeah. at that point. You, you know, you, you brought up Idle Hands as, as being the most fun you've had in Little Giants. But when I was watching Idle Hands the other night, it mm-hmm. dawned on me. That's a movie that it, by, by the way, first of all, it's a fantastic movie. It's great. It's, it's, it's so yeah. much fun. And I yeah. saw it in the theater and, you know, rewatching again, I just like, this is such a good time. But it struck me that this doesn't seem like a movie that would be theatrically released in 2019. An R-rated comedy, you know, with, you know, with a modest budget. I mean, that's yeah. a, they're just not putting those films out anymore. I mean, they are on Netflix and everything like that. But do you see, do you envision a... a a, a period where we're going to start to see these mid, middle, medium budget films, R-rated films coming back into theaters, or, or is that is that ship sailed? No. The, nowadays, if they were to make Idle Hands, it would be a two million dollar budget. They could do all those effects. You know, first of all, we're not reloading magazines, and we're, we're, we, it's all digital now. We save a lot of money there. The digital effects are a lot cheaper nowadays. Good point. Yeah. Um, Idle Hands would be made for a fraction of the money that it was made for, and it would be a Netflix original or some something like that. But now they're not going to make. I think they're going to make these million, hundred million dollar movies, and they're going to make you know anything under two million. And, so. there's, and there's no middle ground anymore. You think for theatrical release <laughs> films? I don't think so. I mean, we. I mean, the Stallone movie I just made was a fifteen million dollar straight to DVD movie, and that's 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 a rare one. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Do you still have a lot of friends within the business? Like, have you made any? I guess lifelong connections from it. I mean, even when you took your time off and then came back. Yeah, there's a few there's a few people that I stayed in touch with throughout the years. I just saw Seth and Eldon. I run into Eldon all the time, and I just saw Seth and Eldon because we did a they did a um, they do a yearly screening of Idle Hands at this. I had never gone; they had gone before, but they called me and said, "Hey, you want to do this this year?" And I went, and they project Idle Hands onto a building 
and everybody else sits on the roof of a building. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then all of a sudden the movie starts and all of a sudden the whole place just lights joints and <laughs> pipes and the whole, you know, it's all, everybody's smoking weed. And I was like, what's going on here? And it's, you know, it's perfectly legal now. And, and, um, it was, it was, yeah. So I saw, I saw Seth and we were both blown away that this was, we're just sitting in a, in an outdoor rooftop movie theater while everybody's just getting stoned awesome. and watching this film. So we run into each other a lot. Excellent. Well, listen, Devin, we want to take some, we just want to say thank you again for, for, for doing the show with us. Like this was awesome getting a chance to talk to you, getting a chance to know thank you. you and, uh, uh, like to extend the invitation for you to join us anytime you want, anytime you just want to shoot the shit for a little bit. We'd love to have you on any upcoming projects yeah. that you might have in the future. We'd love to be able to talk about them with you. Okay. So I would love that. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys ever need somebody to, to do the show or, or want to have me on for a project or to talk about a project, I would, I would be down to do that whenever too. That's awesome. All right. So, Kristen, thank you as always. Thank you, Dana. All right. Devin, we appreciate it. Appreciate it. And my name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.